the scriptures have been given to us to remind us of the very thought of what we've been singing in that last song. To encourage us to be very mindful of the fact that he is everything to our soul. He is indeed that lily of the valley, that precious gift, more than anything else can be. The writer of the book of Hebrews is had been written to encourage Christians of their day this very fact of who Jesus is, to remind them of his superiority over anything that they've had before, and to be able to encourage them to refocus their thoughts and their minds to basically where they were to be in the first place. Loving the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind. Seeking His will in their life as they live day by day. And yet so many times they had fallen short of that. And these Christians were being persecuted and being encouraged to go back unto a way of worshiping God that was more familiar to them, yet being reminded of who this Jesus is and what he's done for us. We catch a glimpse of that. Prayerfully, it's more than a glimpse, but we catch a glimpse of that each Lord's Day as we gather around this Lord's Supper. An opportunity for us to reflect what it was that indeed Jesus did. The suffering that he went through the price that was paid, but the reward that is there for those who believe that and are willing to follow it within their life. Throughout the scriptures, and particularly in the book of Hebrews, is the reminder to them of having this faith that is committed to God. In the chapter before, the one that was read this morning down in verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. It's a key factor in the life. Not only the believing that God is. And not only believing that he is a rewarder. But that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And in doing such, they will encounter the various trials and the tribulations that would go along the way. The chapter 11 of Hebrews has been called the great hall of faith, as you read down through it, or the chapter of faith. And you read about the great men and women of old and the faith that they had towards God. And as each one is given, there is to be the reminder of drawing to mind what was going on at that particular time and what caused these individuals to have the faith that they did and the willingness to extend it to the degree that they did. Each one is an interesting count within itself. And usually we do very good as reading chapter 11 as you get down to about verse 35. Because up to there, every one of those is 
basically presented in a positive light. But having this faith of understanding that without faith it is impossible to please God. You see this faith that goes beyond what we see as the external or the physical blessings that may have come as it did to many of those that were there in chapter 11. A faith that goes beyond that. There were those who suffered persecution, ridicule, some that were sawn asunder, fed to wild beasts, wild, wandered about in the wilderness, unworthy of those with whom they had been associated with. But that's a great hall of faith leading into chapter 12. We have this great cloud of witness surrounding us. It's hard to read up through chapter 11 of Hebrews. It's hard to read from Genesis up through chapter 11 of Hebrews and not be impressed, challenged, encouraged to develop this type of faith that regardless of what the world does and regardless of how we are treated by the world in, the, in, in which we live, that this faith in God, that he is, this faith in God that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, this faith in God who it is impossible for him to lie, And that this God, through Christ, so loved us that he planned our redemption. He planned to leave his word. And through that word also to, at times, to chastise us. And being committed to doing his will. Again, these men and women of the scriptures, the men and women of down through the years who have served God, are the testimony that there is something worth believing. There is someone worth believing in. Worth making a commitment that if indeed it meant the loss of the physical life, you would do it. If it would mean the loss of those whom you were associated with, you would do it. That you'd be willing to follow them in this life. To be able to lay aside every endurance or every hindrance that may be there. And oftentimes there's a trial or tribulation that we go through, but the greatest hindrance that we have is losing faith. All of those mentioned previously at times who had problems is because they lost faith in who God is. Israel of old coming out of Egyptian bondage lost faith in who God is. 
Despite what he's done, they lost faith. You read Romans 1, 18 through 32, and read about creation telling you that there is a God, and yet people losing faith in who he is, what he's done, and what he expects from those who would follow him. Man has, all, excuse me, man has always been tempted to follow his way or to seek God in a way that seems to please him rather than the pleasing God despite how men may see us. We're to look to Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith. Is he, through his life, or his plan from, redemp- or from eternity, to plan our redemption, that he is the author of our salvation. As the author, he is one to be listened to. The commitment made to him. Despite what men may say, again throughout the scriptures, we have account after account after account of those who were servants of God, and then faltered along the way. Chose to go a different course. And the devastating consequences that oftentimes followed as a result of that. So there's to be a focus. A singleness of heart. A singleness of focus in our life. Not being the double-minded individual that's unstable in all his ways. But the focus is on Jesus. He set the example for us. He's the one who is the finisher of our faith. He initiated it. He extended it to us. He grants us forgiveness of our sins as we understand who he is, as we repent of those sins and confess them, confess him as the Lord and Savior, are buried with him in that watery grave of baptism for the remission of sins. But he's also the finisher of our faith. He's the one that will see us through until the very end. That it matters not what man may do. It matters not the hurdles that Satan may place before us. With every one of them, the victory is found in Jesus. The surrendering of our will to his and doing the things that would be pleasing in his sight. He was willing to endure the cross and despise the shame for the joy set before him. There's the example he left for us. To endure the cross, crucifixion, self-denial, the death of self, the cruel death of self, if you will, in order to, for the joy set before us, We go through in our physical life trials and tribulations from a young age on down, from a baby all the way up to our older years, however long they may be. And as we've lived our physical life, we have endured different trials and tribulations along the way. 
And for the most part, we found that that's what they are. They're along the way, but they're not the sum total of the life that we live. And it's hard at times to transpose that over into the spiritual realm. That there may be affliction and persecution, trials and tribulations. But for the joy that is set before us, the joy of eternal life with God, no way for us to even to begin to comprehend the fullness of that. To comprehend the fullness of the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. To be able to comprehend the absolute depth of God's love for you and for me. The extent that he was willing to go despising the shame, endured the cross with that joy set before him. And then have to remind the readers here and to remind us, listen, whatever it is that we've gone through doesn't even touch the hem of the garment of what Jesus went through. We feel persecuted rather than counting it a joy to suffer for the cause of Christ, to be counted worthy of that rejection from mankind as described by the early disciples in Acts 4 and in Acts 5. Worthy to be suffered for the cause of Christ. It's not just a persecution. It is also a testing. Where is your conviction? And what do you put your trust? And what are you willing to lay down your life for? He said, you haven't yet resisted to the shedding of blood and the serving of God. And you've forgotten the exhortations that we have in God's word. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens and he corrects. To look for what it may be that needs to be corrected in the life. To look at again at a conviction as to why would the world be persecuting us. Oftentimes it's been said that we're not being persecuted. We need to re-examine whose side we're on. Because the Lord's people will be persecuted, the scriptures remind us. But the Lord will help us along the way. The persecution is the reminder to us of the rejection that we need to make from the things of the world. Not to allow the world to have its dominance on us. But I see to see again that the servant is not greater than the master. They persecuted him. They will persecute us. That is that desire again for our testing. And what do you put your faith? And what do you put your trust? What is your expectation of being a Christian? 
of being part of the family of God, of being those who desire to seek the things that indeed that are above. Back in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, down to verse 16, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. That concept of what we go through is preparing us for something that is far greater than we can imagine. And there is that need for us to make that separation along the way. We see it in the physical life again from a baby up through adulthood. Learning to leave the things that we are comfortable with. To move forward into an area that we are uncomfortable with. With an expectation that that change is for the better. And that there's a reward in doing that. And that we anticipate that in our life. And spiritually it's the same way. We can get comfortable in the life that we live. And we need to be challenged to say there's something better to, to look forward to. The persecutions are a reminder at times. Separate ourselves from the world. Move forward and anticipate something that is far greater to come along the way. If we endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. If you stay with God, endure the persecution in whatever avenue and whatever place it may come from. God will deal with you as his child. And that there's a better, again, a better place that we're striving towards. Whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. disciplines. Our desire is to be servants of his. Our desire is to strive to love him with a full heart. To be found pleasing in his sight whatever that may take, and find that that is a lifelong challenge for us. It's a lifelong commitment. It's a growth process, again, in the things that we may be comfortable with. Is there something better for us as we go through the transitions and keep our eyes focused on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith? But wherein lies your hope and your expectation? It is achieved, as we're singing the invitation song, by our taking that one step at a time. Do not achieve full maturity overnight. Once maturity is achieved, it's not maintained overnight. It's an ongoing process within our life. It's one step at a time. Dear Savior, one step at a time. The willingness to trust God, to see us as we take each step along the way, 
to guide us and to direct us through his word, to have the humility to be willing to submit to his will, to trust his hand in the chastising, the correcting, the guiding, the perfecting of those who love the Lord with all of their heart. As we look at our lives this morning, to reflect back on where we've been and where we are, to anticipate where we're going and how we're going to achieve that. Are we taking it one step at a time? Is our faith, our hope, and our trust in Jesus who is above? But you look at your life this morning. Where is it? Where is it in light of God's word? Is there a need to make a change, to make a correction? Maybe for some to become that child of the living God through the understanding that Jesus is the Savior, the willingness to repent of the sins that separate us from God, to confess Him as the Savior, obey Him in baptism for the forgiveness of sins, to be raised to walk that new life, or as a child of God, the one who's begun to stray or let the world creep back in, to renew that life to Christ once again and to come home, whatever their need may be, If you have a need to respond to that invitation, if we could assist you, if we could help you, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.